You're listening to Systems Thinking for Kids, the podcast for teachers and others who want to help kids learn through understanding systems, because everything is connected. On Systems Thinking for Kids, you'll hear conversations about how to illuminate connections for kids in the classroom, the community, and everywhere in the world. Systems Thinking for Kids is a project of the Wildwood Outreach Center at Wildwood School in Los Angeles. This is Systems Thinking for Kids. Your host is Jody Becker. Hey friends, thanks for joining us for this inaugural conversation with the very excellent educator, Grace Lazzarini, who got her start in the classroom at Wildwood. She's now a student support specialist at the Sequoia School in Pasadena, California. She holds a master's degree in teaching from USC. This show was created for peer learning and sharing and to build understanding and excitement around systems thinking practice in classrooms at all grade levels. Grace has used systems in her classroom, and she is an ideal explainer and evangelist for this approach and this special episode. This year, of course, continues with the challenges imposed by COVID and teaching online. But systems learning is super adaptable and a great way to keep kids learning online. Grace will explain. Thank you so much for joining me, Grace. Hi, Jody. So it's been almost a whole school year of pivots by now, and there's been some time to plan and adapt. Can you talk a little bit about how it's going at this point? Well, before I do, I really want to give a huge shout out, and it's like, that's not even enough for all the parents, educators, teachers. They've had to make such a quick adaptation to online learning and teaching, and we are all doing the best we can. And I really hope that you find some of this information useful. And yeah, Jody, it's been almost a whole year and how quickly we've had to really think about how to make on-campus learning at least similar or if not a replica or if not just a little bit of our classroom. And it's not ever the same, right? The buzz of the classroom, listening to your peers talk, hearing someone from saying, from across the room saying something that you're like, oh, I didn't think about it that way, or I really agree with that person, or even better, I disagree with that person. And that vibe of the classroom and learning from each other is missing in distance learning. And hopefully through systems thinking, we can bring a little bit of that back. So talk to us about that. What kind of activity or lesson can a teacher do with minimal prep, kind of on the fly, since... There's also the aspect of never knowing if the tech is going to fully cooperate. Totally. So as a classroom teacher and a systems thinking practitioner over the years, I've found that systems at its core is these deep, authentic, fun, exciting conversations. I've taught kindergarten first graders, and they have often led me to moments of wonder, curiosity, excitement, but most importantly, the deep, deep desire to know more about something. I found my most successful discussions to be when all of us, teachers and students, are so completely stumped on a question that we spend the rest of the day thinking about what we talked about. It's just so fun. One of the ways you could do systems thinking is to get them engaged in what you will be learning. So let's say you'll be doing you know, a unit on homes or a unit on community, a a unit on the garden, the environment, you can start as simple as a conversation or read aloud using books, literature, 
or it can be even more complex as looking at how different systems can be connected, broken, or fixed through the skill of mapping or even building something. Um, so let's just go back to my example of, let's say you're studying the home system. You could create a slideshow showing different homes from around the world. And from there, you can guide students to notice what all homes have in common and what differences they may have depending on their environment. From there, you can dive deeper into the habitats and adaptations of people and animals based on where they live. And then from there, you can discuss what a community is, how families share different traditions and celebrations to foster appreciation and understanding. So one of the things I hear you saying is that visuals can be very helpful online. Kids know what their own house looks like and maybe the homes of their friends or their grandparents or their neighbors. And you can kind of just use that as a jumping off point with a few visuals and what kids already know. Exactly. And that's what systems is. It's not something where you're like trying to trick them into thinking something or get them to, you know, your end point. It's really a starting jumping off point off of based off what they already know. And so these kids come into school having had five years of experience on the in the world. And I mean, of course, minimal years that they actually remember, but they've been learning and discovering and exploring the world around them for a long time. And so they do know a lot about what their environment has and what they can contribute to their experience. So part of the systems thinking practice uses mapping. Have you used that online with kids? I have. And it's really interesting because you can do it a lot of different ways. Of course, we have a ton of resources at our fingertips. We've got Flipgrid. We've got Jamboard, Google Jamboard, to help create a visual. And also in Zoom, you could use the whiteboard function to help record and draw the connections that your students are adding to the discussion. And how does that work? I mean, how is that different from when you're in the classroom and there's kind of this, you know, kids shouting out, calling things out? Yeah, exactly. And instead of like a marker and paper, you're doing it with your, you know, you're typing it in and drawing lines through the, what if the, the program. For teachers who might not know what the map looks like, can you just give us a little primer on how that looks and how a teacher who maybe hasn't tried it before might do that easily? Sure. So let's, say, let's take my example of the home system. You can put the words home system in the center of your you know, Google Drawings or Google Jamboard, whatever. And whatever kids are adding to it, you can just draw a line from that center bubble into a separate bubble. And then the whole time as kids are sharing and adding and talking, you're basically representing the conversation that you're having with your students through this bubble map. And this bubble map is not anything special. It's really just a way, a visual, a way for everyone to see what is being talked about and how things have grown from just a small topic as the home. And you can end up somewhere as big as the community or even the world or the, you know, in an environment or a different kind of place. And because that's based on kids' experiences, it's hard to anticipate where some, some of the lessons are going in systems. Can you talk a little bit about the student-led nature of the conversation and how that works regardless of the venue? Yeah, I mean, kids are who they are in the classroom or behind a screen, right? And so that's part of what's so exciting is that we as the teachers are really the guide 
for our students to kind of get to where we want them to get. Of course, as teachers, we have learning objectives and we have standards to meet and we have goals where we want kids to, where we want them to go. And of course, the things that they have to learn, but there's also room for just wonder and talking about what they know and what they think. And also that collaboration of like talking and discussing, like, let's say two students don't agree with each other. And then there's this sort of mini debate that goes on about, I don't know, what makes a home a home? Like, oh, I don't agree. All homes should have this. I don't think all homes have to have television, right? And so like some kids might disagree and say, no, no, there, there are televisions in every home. Well, then that's a little bit of a discussion. That's a little tangent. <laughs> and then as the teacher, you can guide them back to your original goal, whatever it may be. Maybe it is how homes are different and how homes are the same. Do all homes have to have televisions? And so listening to your students, hearing what they have to say, but also, so honoring what they have to say, but also giving space to where you need to go is the perfect balance. And sometimes it's a tricky balance, of course. It's a skill having a conversation. So in a sense, it's migrating that skill online. And it sounds like systems is really adaptable for that in ways that maybe some traditional lessons would be harder to migrate. Um, I'm wondering, though, Grace, can you talk about some ways that parents can partner with teachers and extend the systems learning at home, maybe on like a small family outing, somewhere around the neighborhood, or even inside their house for really little kids. Yeah. So let's just keep on the example of the home system. And, you know, as parents who are sometimes probably looking for things to do for your kids in distance learning, it's always fun to have little activities ready to go for the day. Um, So as the parent, you can lead your child to find things around their home that, you know, make their home, their home, your home, um, what part of your home is special to them and thinking about, would this be in every home, right? Let's just, just, that's just a conversation at the dinner table. Um, and then you can extend that to, let's say you're taking a neighborhood walk. We're taking tons of walks these days. Um, you can take a look at your neighborhood and looking at the things that they're noticing, um, I've taken my students out on a neighborhood walk where we've noticed like, hmm, and these are of course, kindergarten, first graders. And we're like, wow, all of these houses have numbers on them. What do they mean? Like, how come it's these p- specific numbers? How do they choose these numbers? And so what's really fun too, is as the teachers, you don't really know. And as the parent, you don't really know the answer to a lot of these questions, but it's just that act of asking and thinking and wondering that gets your kids thinking and wondering and excited about what they're looking at. Um, So like when I take my 14 month old baby out who is not talking yet on a walk, I'm constantly pointing things out to him, talking to him, wondering out loud. Um, Let's say we, we pass by um, a house that has sprinklers on. Oh, we are thinking about where the water comes from. Where does it go? Um, hmm, I see that, that there are sewer things on, you know, in the street. How come there are drains? You know, just so just that he is then in the practice of learning how to observe things. I also want to ask you, Grace, in the times that we're living in, it's kind of hard to ignore that some systems are broken. And I know that kids sometimes notice this on a very 
close to home level. And I'm wondering, how do you address that with kids? I think as teachers and now a parent myself, I feel that it's our responsibility to have these really hard conversations with our kids, no matter how young they are. Part of what makes systems thinking so special is that it's not coming from a place of worry, but it's coming from a place of activism and justice and making kids aware of the things that are broken or unbalanced so that they can have the agency to make change. Like These are our future leaders. They're the ones who are really going to impact change and create change in a way that we need it, right? And so looking back at the week we just had, hopefully some parents are feeling that sense of responsibility to talk to their kids about what happened at the Capitol or even begin or continue to have these conversations about privilege, racism, and discrimination and other broken and unbalanced systems. But they may not know how to start, how deep to go, where to go, And, you know, my youngest students could tell you that it's not fair that some people have more access to, you name it, right? More access to education, clean water, any of that. They know that it's not right that there are people without homes. Sometimes we as the adults feel like we can't have these conversations because they won't understand or it might be too much for them to process, right? So as you're having these conversations with your kids, you might just ask them, How might we fix these broken systems? How might we rebalance something that isn't working for everyone? And what can we do now knowing what we know? How might we change this? It's just one of those principles that systems thinking has that, yes, something can become unbalanced or broken, but that they also can be repaired and that they can be changed for the better. Is there a way to help the child identify and understand something that's broken in a system without being overwhelming? I have tend to find that kids don't seem to dwell on something for too long, right? And I think as the parent or as the teacher, if your school allows these conversations to happen during the classroom time, that it could really just be through just holding space for kids to have questions and saying like, If you have any more questions or if you're wondering about anything else or if you still want to talk, you can always come back to me later if you have questions or we can just move on and we can just kind of have our day and really just not dwell on the fact that it feels so daunting that even me as an adult, I'm feeling like, what what can I do, right? And so if I'm feeling that way, I'm imagining kids also feeling, we don't want them to feel that sense of hopelessness or loss or that they have the inability to change everything in one day, right? So also giving them an opportunity just to process and maybe just even holding space to process with your child or your students about what happened is enough for that moment, for that day. And it's not having to come back to it every single day, ramming it over the head that things need to change, right? So it's I, I think it's finding that appropriate balance of talking about it, but also moving forward with it too. Yes. And as you say, kids will naturally move on. Sometimes we dwell on things. Right. Kids don't. Grace, let me ask you, I just want to circle back. I mean, COVID or not, kids tend to get excited and enthusiastic about certain things. I'm wondering if you can just help us wrap up by talking about some of the basics in systems that are kind of 
always a home run, that always are good conversation starters, and always help include every kid. I find that read-alouds are really fun ways to get kids engaged in systems thinking. You as teachers or even your as parents can choose a favorite you know, book that you love or teachers can choose books that are related to the curriculum and really just do like a deep dive into what they are noticing in the pictures. Visuals, as you have said before, like visuals are huge help when kids of all ages are learning, even in the classroom or online, using really beautiful detailed picture books have always been my success as well. Um, they can We can pause on a page and looking at a page more deeply and just noticing everything that we see and then kind of working that into a conversation afterwards has always been really fun. My students have always loved um, getting kind of, I guess these like little random goodie bags of different items. So let's say there was like a rock, a spoon, a pencil, piece of paper, a paper clip, like just like really random things that I found in our classroom. And the task is to um, somehow connect all of those items to see how they all work together. So one of the systems principles is that systems are connected. And so we talk about like, can we actually prove that principle with trying to connect these random items in a bag? And they do it in very interesting ways and not really in a way that I would necessarily do it, of course. I'm a lot more um, point blank. I'm like, well, paper is related to the paper clip because you use the paper clip to hold paper together. But they're, they, they think about it all differently. And some kids might look at a piece of paper and think water system because you need water to make paper. And so they use all of their prior knowledge and whatever they have coming into the classroom to engage in that activity. And it's always been really fun. It's such a great example. And I'm also thinking about how talking about systems with kids or talking about things, I guess, with children also surfaces and illuminates invisible systems that they're not thinking about, just like with the objects. Can you just talk a little bit about that? Sure. Let's say if we take water, for example, we found that to be a very Fun, like just a very interesting way to talk about invisible or visible visible systems that we see. Sometimes we can see water, right? Like in through a sprinkler or hose or our faucets. But then we're like, where does the water go? <sighs> the kids are like down the pipes. And I was like, where where do the pipes go? Right. They're like, well, um, the sewer? And they're and these are not you know, of course they're, they're not sure, but they're thinking about it. Like that's where it goes outside. Well, and then where, where does that go? The ocean. And so they're thinking about how all of that is connected and even just seeing something that we can see at one point, then all of a sudden we can't see it. And thinking about all of the underground systems that we literal underground systems that we have that make our our indoor water system work. And so, you know, systems is a way of seeing of how things are connected, how things work, of course, but it's also like those aha moments, like, oh, I don't know that, like, and being really invested in finding out all the things about the water system. So if let's say you're studying about pollution or, um, 
you know, recycling or just some sort of way to incorporate water into your curriculum. Eventually, we know that if we don't clean up our earth, if there's trash on the fl- in on the street, or if people are not recycling, or you know, all those things that we know we need to do, that all of that ends up in the ocean, and things in our ocean. If our ocean is tainted with our pollution, then our you know, then the system of our waste impacts the other systems, and so in the same way of systems can be broken or unbalanced, like that would be an unbalanced system. And asking your students, what can we do to fix that? What can we do to change that? Begins the discussion of how how we can make things better. Grace Lazzarini, thank you so much for talking to us about systems thinking in the classroom and at home. I hope you'll come back and talk to us again. You've been listening to Systems Thinking for Kids. For more ideas and information, find us online at systemsthinkingschools.org. And check out our stories on Instagram at systemsthinkingschools. Thank you for listening.